to Online for Authors, where I, Terry M. Brown, author of character-driven fiction and host of the podcast, introduce readers to characters they'd love to invite to lunch by interviewing authors, discussing their books, learning about the writing process, and even, on occasion, chatting live with a panel of authors to discuss topics relevant to both readers and writers. My guest today on Online for Authors is Rachel Stone author of the book, The Blue Iris, her debut novel. In my review of The Blue Iris, I stated that I love character development and Rachel Stone did not disappoint. I immediately fell in love with Tessa, a young woman haunted by her past and struggling to find her big in life. I enjoyed how Tessa was like all of us, bold sometimes and timid at others, sure of herself and doubtful, ready to tackle life and wanting to hide under the covers. Because she was so real, I connected with her immediately. However, Rachel did more than create one great character. She created a host of characters and provided them with their own points of view in the story. I gasped at her future in-laws, wondered at her fiancé, rooted for Luke, cried over Sam and Charlie, shook my head over Tony, and ached for Daryl. I hated to finish the last page knowing that these lives would no longer be part of mine. I would like to welcome Rachel Stone, who has written The Blue Iris. Welcome to Online for Authors, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me. Hello. I am so excited to have you with me. I loved the book, The Blue Iris. I was so excited that you let me be a reader, you know, before the book came out. There's always something fun about reading a book that no one else has in their hands yet. So can you tell our listeners just a little bit about The Blue Iris, what it is, you know, your elevator speech. Sure. And thank you so much for that, by the way. I was honored to have you read it early. Um, It's it's a book. It's it's an ensemble piece. Um, It's it's about a group of people whose lives converge around a flower market in Toronto. And during that time, they learn to own their hardest truths and help each other own their hardest truths and learn the power really of letting go, I would say, is, is to reduce it down to its smallest elevator speech. Um, I like to think of it as like a Ted Lasso meets This Is Us meets The Language of Flowers. Um, and uh, it's it's my baby. It's been my baby for six years. <laughs> that, so that was what I was going to ask you is like, first, where did you come up with this idea? Because there are a lot of characters and there's a lot of moving parts. And for a first you know, your debut novel, that's kind of a big project to, to do that much. And so like, where did this come from? And then I want to talk a little bit about that writing journey of this six years with this book. So yeah, well, it's funny, I really stumbled on it by accident. Um, I was in a place in my life where I had got some troubling medical news, and I was in a panic, I didn't know the next steps, I didn't know what was ahead. And I thought, you know what, that dream that I've always had of writing is, and really dedicating myself full-time to writing has waited long enough because you have this moment of, hey, we, we may not have a chance. So, um, I, and, and I was actually very determined not to write fiction. I just wanted to write. I was, I'd always written, um, you know, poetry, lyrical essays. So 
it really came about by accident. Um, I, I dove into creative writing classes. They make you try everything. I had been dreading fiction week because I thought, I can't do fiction week. You got to make stuff up. I can't think of. And um, it, it actually came out of a writing prompt. And then before you know it, it was little by little by little. And I did not foresee an ensemble piece at all. That was a complete surprise to me. It was actually my developmental editor who said, um, just so you know, these, these secondary characters you have going on here, they're stealing the show. Like you need to <laughs> expand this and, and you need to give them room for full movements because they're, they're demanding it. Right. And, um, so that it was, it was somewhat terrifying. Cause I went, hold on, I got to figure out how many, how many characters. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then it really became about like, how many can we do? How many are, how many is like, let's make sure we don't have too many, but let's give everybody who needs a voice, a voice. And then, oh my gosh, the, the prospect of trying to make all this fit was, uh, very overwhelming, especially as a de as a debut author. I thought, what the and and you know, she said, just so you know, like you're attempting the hardest thing there is to do, um, because you've never done it before and and all this. So it was daunting, but at the end of the day, it just it didn't feel like a choice. It just became about these are the bones of this book that I never expected to have, that I didn't expect to write, and this is how it's presented itself, and this is the heart of the book. And you know, you could take the easy way out or you can lay here and cry about how hard it's going to be all day long. But the book is this ensemble cast and this, um, you know, intimate nature of this, this community, which at the end of the day, I said, okay, I guess we're going and we're doing it because I couldn't at that point, imagine doing it any other way. I, if, if it was going to be, if I was going to forego that terrifyingly daunting aspect, I, then I was just going to write a different book because right. this book had to be that. So, right. Yeah. Well, I, you did an excellent job with the characters. I, I fell in love with all of them right away. And there were ones that I was cheering for others that I wanted to like throttle, you know, um, there were times where even the ones I was cheering for, I wanted to throttle. I mean, I was just, <laughs> You know, it was kind of like, Mission accomplished. what are you doing? What are you doing? Um, so I'm an author as well. And I, my very first book was a three points of view with some very strong other secondary characters. So I understand that, that feeling. What's interesting is, is I didn't know that this wasn't normal. Like I had this idea and I had to write it and it came out of me. And it sounds like that's kind of what happened to you. It wasn't like you said, oh, well, this is a really difficult way to write a novel. So I think I'll try that. I mean, it was it was the story that needed telling. And then you had to figure out, okay, am I doing it right? You know, what else do I need here? That right? was the, yeah, it was like, have I stuck the landing? And, you know, spoiler yeah. alert, I did not for many, 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 many iterations. But yeah, I agree with you. It just... um that was the crazy thing about fiction. Like I had been dodging fiction all the time, trying to do everything, but because I kept thinking, oh, no, I'm scared of, I don't can't do it. And it, it sort of just takes over. It's, it's, it's not your choice at a certain point, which is so fascinating to me. You know, you can make up anything in the whole world and it sort of just presents itself. And that's the thing you're doing, whether you, whether right. you want it or not, or see it coming or not. It's just right. magical. It, it was like him. No, it was like, I say, it was like being hypnotized. It was the, the coolest process ever. So let's talk a little bit about that process, because I have a lot of that same thing where I tell people I have voices in my head. No, I do not need to be medicated and that that they demand to be heard. And I can 
I can try to manipulate them to do certain things. And, and sometimes they talk back to me and refuse to go there. And, and like, then I, I have this like no ability to think because I'm trying to force a story and my characters are, you know, on strike over on the you know left side of the page saying, we're not going that way. And until I finally open myself up again, there's no writing that's happening. So what is your process like? It's so true. And that was, that, you're describing it perfectly. That was so much of it for me. And I think my process, well, first I, I had done this first draft where I really focused on Tessa, who was my main right. uh, central protagonist. And, you know, so she was fairly well developed and felt very layered to me as, as did a couple of, of the ones nearest to her. But then, yes, once we decided to go this, this ensemble route, once I decided at the encouragement of the editor, um, it really just became about like sitting with them. And you're right. I had certain ideas, like there's a character named Daryl and I had a, I had an idea of him as just this really unlikable guy. And he was the bad guy, you know, like right. very black and white. He's the bad guy. And, and we're gonna, good is going to triumph over evil at the end of the day, you know? And that was my, and he just wasn't going that way. <laughs> and, and I kept trying to kind of, you know, like, and then what I realized is I didn't actually enjoy developing him because I didn't like him. Right. And then right. I thought, well, now I don't want to hang out all day with this guy I don't like. So I kept kind of going around him and, and not giving him. And so a lot of my process was just figuring out, okay, you and I are stuck together. You're not going anywhere. You keep like jumping up and I don't like you very much. So we need to figure out how we're going to hang out together all day. And so a lot of that was just sitting and figuring out his why, like, why is he such a prickly Right, right. What is under there? And then that started to drive the plot and the connections to everybody else and all the different arcs. But it was really just sitting there and getting through the why. And then uh, sometimes, you know, I tried different things. I, I wrote like um, their their private journal entries um, or I had them write letters to me. There was um, Caroline Levitt talks about this. She I found this article where she does that. She gets people to her characters to write letters to her like saying hello this is what you're getting wrong this you're totally wrong about me and right, this is why right. this you know is why. and so right. I did a lot of that and and and, the, and then once I it was just for me the trick was getting into their why and then as soon as I got into their why it was like oh everything's firing and flowing and the spreadsheets are going and the sticky notes are flying but until then you're right you're just sort of deadlocked going all right we're in a standoff you're not you're not you're not going anywhere but I don't really want to talk to you right now <laughs> and yeah. so, yeah. And then it sort of, and that, and then once I sort of figured him out, that sort of came true with all the rest of the characters too. Just sit, sit with them and, and let them, it sounds completely psychotic, but sit there and let, wait for them to talk to you. And you, and you have, and then of course, at one point there's, there's six, you know, there's six, really nine and they're all just in my head chattering and, and, and then my husband's wondering why I'm like burning dinner and the sink is overflowing. And it's like, I'm sorry, there's a lot going on. There's a, there's a lot, lot of people talking up here. And yeah. Um, yeah, so it felt very chaotic in a way, like you said, there's all of these. And then, uh, you know, then they're trying to connect and, it does feel like you're going on all cylinders. You know, even when you're sleeping, you're thinking about it. Even when you're, you know, you, you're half conscious, you're thinking about it. Um, but it was so cool. Isn't it amazing when that, that moment happens where things that have been flying around like loose ends all over, all of a sudden, you know where it's going and how you're going to connect it. And it's not that it's done. You still have to go do it. But you now know. Like, oh my it's, gosh, it's the this, biggest rush. This, yeah, this thing that I just wrote or that I just is now, oh, and then you just, you know where it's going. 
Yeah. And, and oh my gosh, isn't that, that the, the key? Because feeling. I think you're probably like me. We're not afraid of the work. Like I'm not afraid of hard work. You can load me up. I will work and work and work. It's just give me the plan. Tell me what I'm working on. Right. right. <laughs> as, soon, as soon as you have that clarity, I, I remember that. I was like 70% of the way through. And you know, the central, the real central beginning question is why is Tessa at this flower market? What is this thing about this flower market that's making her drop all these other beautiful, right. well-laid plants? And I didn't know. I was 70% through going why is she there? I need to figure this out. And I'm sort of starting to panic. Right. And then, and then, right. uh, I, I pulled over, I was in track. I remember I was driving and I pulled over into a gas station parking lot because it was, I was like, I got it. <laughs> and, and I'm there and I'm, and I'm furiously scribbling these notes into my notebook on the, on the passenger seat. And, uh, and then after that, it's the bad. Yeah. It's like, you're, 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 trying, trying, try. And then you just feel you've crested the hill and then, okay, now. Right. And then from there on, there's a lot of work. There's a lot of writing. There's a lot of things you have to go back and add to make this make sense now. And, and, and characters that can no longer say certain things so that you can change stuff around, but now it all makes sense. And so it's like, oh my gosh. So I um, have daughters of green mountain gap coming out in January and I was 70% of the way done and I had no ending. I had no idea how this story was wrapping up. It, it, I'm, I'm beginning to worry because you know the ending's coming pretty quickly now. You know when you're <laughs> when you're that far into the book, and there was a scene that I knew needed to be written, and I didn't want to write it because it was a difficult scene, and I kept wanting something else to happen. Mm-hmm. I didn't want this to happen, and I, I sat with it for a long time, and when I finally wrote it. And it was hard and I didn't like it, but it needed to be done. I woke up the next day and it was like, I know how the book's ending. I know everything. I know exactly how it's supposed to go. And it all just like, it was falling out of me so fast that I couldn't even like make enough notes to know what was happening. And it was like, it was like a dam had just been, been opened up. And so it's that crazy. I know that feeling that just feeling. And I think, and I think as writers, we have to trust that feeling is going to come. You just got to keep going. And, 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 you know, it's funny, we're talking about those, those two or three or 10 amazing writing days. And then of course you, someone who hasn't tried to do it would think that's how every day is. And it's, there's no, no, there's like, there's like 50 in between where you're just uh, at the screen. What am I doing? I don't even Um, know. And then you write things and you're not even sure that you like what you wrote. And it's like, Oh, is that a waste of the day? You know, you know, spend an hour going, should that be a comma or a period? Just what what am I doing? I can't think of another word for this. How many times can I say this word? I've got to, I have word hippo up all the time and I'm constantly (laughs) looking to see if there's something else that makes sense here yeah the cool thing my instructor had said to me you know when I was early in the process of trying fiction and really scared of fiction she said it's like driving at night like just and I think that's a quote that goes around you know it's you're driving at night and just look at to the end of your headlights and trust that the road is still there like you will get to the end of your headlights and the next section and I think that that sums it up perfectly because you know we were like it's funny that 70 percent mark it's funny to hear that you were in the same spot and you do you start to think is there road here what's I'm gonna need some road here I'm running out of road and you just I guess just have to trust that it comes together the crazy thing for me was when that happened when I had that moment and I thought okay I'm gonna have to go back and fit it all in now I'm gonna have to lay that in and figure out how to weave it and 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 it was so, the freakiest thing, Terry, was I went back to that draft and it was there. And most of it was there. Yeah. It was there the whole time. And I'm going, how did, It's like Because I certainly did not know. But you did know. There was some part of you down in there. 
So I tell everybody that there's obviously two of me. And one of me is a writer and one of me is a reader because I have been typing on the screen before and watching my words come up. And so I'm kind of like reading it as it's coming up. Mm -hmm. And I have done things like started to cry or thought or thought, oh, I can't believe that happened. And then it's like, you idiot, you just just now typed it. Like, But did we? This is the crazy thing. I don't know. Like, are we, are we you know, it's it's a very interesting surreal process it, it is it's, it's crazy unbelievable and it's really hard to describe I think if you haven't experienced it so I, this well, is great yeah, because when, you're telling me and I'm like okay I'm not I understand <laughs> that yeah so yeah it's hard to tell people who don't write or who maybe have a different process of writing um because you do sound a little crazy oh. you know when you tell people oh yeah I cry when I read something that I'm currently writing because oh, yeah. it, it hits me. I get, it's a, like, I get a full body. Um, my stomach starts to kind of tremble. Not that yeah. it's a terrifying scene or anything. I, I don't know. It's a very visceral reaction. Um, very physiological reaction. Yeah. I, I get really, really cold. I don't know if you get that. I get all of a sudden, I'm like, my teeth are chattering and I'm putting all these sweaters on trying to type. I don't know what is happening. It's it's, it's, it's because your body is just like, I don't know yeah. what it's doing. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. So do you consider yourself a plotter or a panster? Oh, well, um, I am trying very, very hard with book two to be a bit more of a plotter. Mm -hmm. I, I pantsed my way through the first one and I ended up with many, many, many rewrites, many untanglings, many going back because I, I, again, it was my first time around. I didn't know how helpful it might have been to have a plan. Uh, so I, I think though, probably I'm a little bit of both. I think I get to a certain point, like I'm, I'm at the point in book two where I'm trying I've been trying really hard to outline and you know okay here's what but now I'm at the point where I know I need to stop doing that and I need to just see where it goes like I have a general sense of the vicinity of where I'm you know and now I gotta just um I can't I can't plot the rest of that out because then I'm never gonna leave the plotting stage so I think for me there comes a point you gotta just start writing it and don't try to be too efficient. I mean, that, that was the whole thing. This one, the first one took me six years. So I'm going, we need to figure out how to streamline this process. Just a little, um, right? Yeah, just a little. And, and it's funny. I mean, I, and I do try to say to myself, you know, that it, it's your, that was your debut book, but I also do feel like it was book four when you think about how many times I rewrote it and all right. that. So, um, because it just took so long. So I keep saying to myself, I don't think it's going to take that long next time and some some writers are so good right like they're pumping them out every year and I, i'm so i think the answer the long the long short answer is uh i'm a little bit of both trying to lean a little bit more towards the plotting side if i can yeah i'm i'm a panster i have started reading a few things to learn a little more about the plotting because i hate editing mm. and i don't hate it I find it difficult. Okay. I, mean, I think editing is one of the harder parts. Letting letting my ideas out that first time is really easy. And I get a lot written very quickly. Oh. I kind of like, I tell people I word vomit. I just kind of, yeah, that is and, so out cool. it, and out it comes. And then I have all of this editing to do. And that's the part where it's kind of like tedious, more tedious to mm, me. See, I'm the opposite. Um, I struggle really? with getting it out. And then once it's out, I could edit all day long. I could polish. I love to wordsmith and polish and line it. Yeah, that would be great. We need to get like a little, some way for me to get in your head and you to get in my head. And my head will just, you know, we'll, we'll combine forces. Um, yes. Yeah, so I want to do a little more plotting 
potentially, I'm a little afraid of the idea of plotting. I don't want to get, I don't want to get so caught up that I am not free thinking because I very much like the process that I have. Mm. Though some of the books that I've been reading, like I just read Save the Cat Writes a Novel. Okay. And what I like about it, I'm trying something really new right now, very different than what I've written before. And what I like is I feel like it's keeping me in the lane. I'm still okay. very much my free form panster, but I can look over and say, it's about time for, you know, a, a catalyst kind of event here. Okay. You know, like I, yeah. I haven't plotted it out, but I'm looking and I'm saying word count wise, not that you have oh. to be exact, but a, about now would be the time <laughs> if you're going to do it, Terry. <laughs> now is an opportune time. <laughs> And the other thing I have a tendency to do, especially in a first draft, is I don't write enough. I've had editors say to okay. me, Terry, I need more here. And it's like, you do? Like, in my Ooh. head, it's perfectly fine. And then I have to go back and add. And this this saved the cat. I was doing that in, in a, a manuscript I'm writing right now where I was done and ready to move on to the next stage. And I kind of looked and it was like, oh, well, according to this, I still have several chapters I need to write. Before. <laughs> and so I stopped and I and I reevaluated and I said, so if that is a true statement, what else might I do in this portion? And then oh, ideas started to flow again. So it was awesome. just it's it's a different it's kind of like you said, maybe a half and half. I think I lean more towards panster and need a little bit of plotting help to keep me from okay. wandering off the reservation. <laughs> yeah. So I guess we all have our own. Yeah. Cause it's so yeah. funny. It does sound opposite a little bit to me. Like right. I have, to, I always have too much. I have like too much, like the, the first draft of the blue iris, I think it was like 120,000 words. And then I got it down to like 105,000 words and then no, keep going, keep going. And then I think it was for the, for the longest time, it was 98,000 words. And I'm like, that's it. I absolutely cannot get anything else. And then, and then we ended up with like, 86.5, which is where you, where you need it to be. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Because see, Sunflowers Beneath the Snow, when I was done the first time, it was at 50,000 words. Wow. And I had to get it up to 82,000 words. This is like words, blowing my mind. Right? This is the problem so, that people have. Okay. Yeah, so it's it's just funny. I think that part of me is, is I, I don't know. It's like, I get the character. Okay, here the character is. Now let's get to the good part. And it's like, oh, yeah. we got to do more buildup. And I, I, I don't do the buildup very well. And so that's, that's the thing that I'm learning, you know, well, and having you know, to, and because you're already there in your head, which is, so it's such yeah. a hard thing because you've got it figured out. You're like, yeah, why well, I know this. Why so, do we need any more than this? Yeah. And so my, yeah. my editor, my very first editor with the very first book, she said, Terry, we need to know more about this particular character. And I was like, why? <laughs> right. i mean it's, it's all okay, right here in my but, head what do you mean yeah but but like you do really and so it was very interesting to me so it's interesting that you have just the opposite going on that you oh, yeah. have to figure out how to cut it back out and i have mm. to figure out how to to add it in but then again to me this just shows what i've been telling people there's more than one way to write Whew. yes you know that is clear, and yeah. not only that but there's more than one kind of book out there and there's more than one kind of reader. And you just have to kind of find your niche and, and where it is and then work within whatever limitations you have. Exactly. And I think you there's know? so much, you know, you I, I know for me, certainly starting out, I was trying to listen to all the 
like take in all the information I could about other writers processes and how it's supposed and, 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 you know, the, the courses and the webinars and, you know, to learn, and that's all really valuable, but then equally valuable is you have to say, okay, but don't panic if you're not fitting into Just that exact, yeah. like take it all in, understand, but like you said, understand that there is variation and it may not work for you and that's okay. Just keep going. Really. It's okay. In fact, I tell people all the time, I have a couple of things I tell new writers. One of them is, is listen to what other people suggest, especially about your writing. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, is don't listen to everyone because you can try something and it not work for you. And that's acceptable. Absolutely. It's acceptable to say, this does not work for me. <clears throat> I do not write every day and I cannot get up in the morning and write from 6 to 8 a.m. and get a certain number of words done. It does not work for me. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, I felt that that meant that I wasn't an actual writer. And I just so you're learned beating that, yourself up about yeah right, because not I'm not kidding. like you know I'm not like John or uh, James Patterson right because he writes every day and writes a certain amount every day I'll never be that it isn't it isn't how I write because sometimes I'm writing in my head sure all the time it's I think it's all the time it's always yeah. going in your mind so it's, it's going it's... and then when I sit down to write I might write for seven or eight or nine hours and you know so much for dinner or the laundry or anything else because I'm writing because for days it's been, you know, mulling and, yeah. and, and fermenting and, and all of the flows, things. You gotta go and with then it flows, you got to go with it. Yeah. And then I, I sit down and get it out. Mm -hmm. And then I might not do that again for another several days because now it's got to go through the process again. So, yeah. yeah. All right. So there are like you said, you said six, maybe nine characters. Well, yeah, six sort of mean. And then if you want to go total, total, total nine. Yes. Okay. Who's your favorite character? Oh, that is a really tough one because I am probably irrationally, illogically attached to every one of the, I, like, I feel like I got nine well, kids yeah. after I all mean, this they're, time. They're your babies. Um, yeah. It's funny. Um, I think I think everybody would expect me to say Tessa because she's the she's the lead central protagonist right. and her you know her struggle and I, I kind of relate to her struggle the most but it's actually funny I think it's the characters that I I think it's it's like we talked about Daryl who I set out to didn't set out dislike. to dislike but I initially yeah. disliked him so much that I, I now I'm really I'm really proud of him and his journey and and what we did there you know I said okay Daryl we got through this We're, so I, I do feel attached to him and there's actually a, a fairly minor character his name is Tony and I honestly think he's probably he's probably my favorite he kind of comes out of nowhere everybody underestimates him he made me laugh all the time like right right so it's yeah I would I'd have to say probably it's it's Daryl or Tony for very different reasons right right I love that people ask me that too. And it's like, I don't know that I have a favorite. I have certain ones that maybe I relate to a little more. Like, I feel like they're more like me, like potentially if they were really here, we might go to lunch together, but I don't, I don't know that I have those favorites. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough. Well, like, and they come from us. They're pieces of our, they're pieces of exactly. us, right? no matter how different they are from us. They're, they're, they're from us. So I, it's, yeah, there's a very um, surreal attachment that you feel to these people that have been living in your head and then they move into your heart and then they won't leave and they're talking to you night right. and day. And, and, and they become this book that you send out into the public and then you hold your breath and pray that everyone's going to love your people because it's very hard for someone not to love your characters. It is like dropping the kids off the first day at kindergarten. It, it really is. is. It's a, it's a shockingly similar feeling. It's, you know, it's been just you and me kid this whole time. And 
here you go. I hope you're ready. I hope I set you up and you know, maybe someone's going to beat you up and maybe someone's going to steal your snack and you know, we're going to talk about it later. We'll cry together, but (laughs) nothing you can do. It really is. You just have to hope you, you set them up. So out of curiosity, you're, the book is just out. Have you had any reviews that have made you cringe? Um, you know what? I the whole process in general of just putting it out there made me cringe because it was well, the yes, possibility. No, uh, but yes, I uh, I'd say there's been there's been like one or two that yeah, they just sort of uh, they did. They kind of bugged yeah. me for a couple of days and then I and then I thought to myself, okay, we're going to stop reading reviews. <laughs> we're just going to we're just going to stop. And th- and then you feel bad because some people you know, some of my writer friends or my family, like they've, they've read it and they've posted these beautiful reviews. And I know, and I'm saying to them, it's not that I'm not thanking you. It's just that I haven't read them. <laughs> so at right. some point uh, I have, I have a good friend and she, she kind of rolls up, rolls them up for me and lets me know what's going on once in a while. And I just, I knew early on I had to do that because the, yeah, there was one that was like particularly um, like viciously nasty in a way that it, it did not seem like she even read the like. It, it didn't, it wasn't specific to the book. It was just sort of this very, very angry, like rant. And I thought, well, geez, we're talking about a book here. Like, and yeah. um, it was, it was really like, whoo, I think, I think it started with like, um, this feels like kicking a puppy, but I'm going to do it anyway. And I thought, okay, <laughs> well, you sound lovely. Yeah, and, why? Um, <laughs> and then it was interesting because then, but then when you scrolled down and you looked at all of like, they were, they were all really nasty. So you quickly understand that uh, there's something bigger going on there. There's, there's a whole other issue and that's not about me as a writer. That's not about, um, about the book and certainly anything with like constructive feedback. Like you said, if people are pointing out things that are consistently not working, you got to pay attention to that. Maybe not so much what they're telling you specifically that they would change, but if there's, if something's not working, you got to pay attention to that. You just have to pray you caught all that in the, in the earlier stages and the edits and whatever. So, um, yeah, I'd say, but, but it was good. It was good to have that sort of early on because then I changed up my approach very quickly and just said, okay, we, we are recognizing that this is not the road we're going to, we got to make a change. And um, so then it's, it's been better. And I, it, as far as I know, I don't think there's been any more like that, but I, I could be out there. Be a wonderful thing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you do that differently than I do as well. I read them all. I read okay. every single one and the ones that, that come out that, that aren't nice. And I have had my, you know, one star angry people that are like, wow, where did that come from? Um, I, I just remind myself, my book is not for everyone. Yeah. Not everyone is going to love it, but I know that I've written a good book. And so we will move on. That's kind of, I yeah, have my little thing really that I say to, to myself for it. And then you just move on. You just move but, on. And, but and- I do know that feeling of a couple of days of just feeling like, yeah, it's just in your head and you just that yeah because it's very personal and everybody says, oh, don't take it personally but it's like these are little slices of me these are my soul that i it came from me how it's very hard to separate that out you, you know exactly it's like if someone tells you your kid is ugly like you're not oh don't take it personal <laughs> like well of well, course i'm going to take it personal and i'm maybe also going to get a little bit worked up about it yeah, so it's like um, how, how else should i take that exactly right yeah and it's i think i think you're i think you're wise to just get in that space of hey you know what and, and the funny thing and then another exercise that someone said was to pick like your absolute favorite book of all time and go on goodreads or whatever and look and that book will have like thousands of one star horrible reviews and that helps too like you think okay well there's perspective for you like right you know like i said 
not every book is for every person. I have picked up a lot of books that have not done anything for me, but I realized that it is not because the author wrote a bad book, but because I did a poor job picking what I needed out of a book. Yeah, or you just and 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 then then the difference there is that if you read a book or or I read a book that isn't for us, we probably just I stop reading and we stop reading and we pick something else. We don't go online though and like spew a whole thing. So I feel like if you're gonna do that, there's there's something else going on and that's much bigger and it's got nothing to do with us really at that point. Um, So it's just you you gotta just let that be and just hope they find healing and keep keep going as best you can. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) So in the book, I'm not gonna give away any spoilers because I want people to go out and read. Go out and read the. Yes, go out and read the Blue Iris. <laughs> um, but there are several points where where Tessa kind of discovers things that she misinterpreted younger. Mm-hmm. And she kind of is living her life based on certain misinterpretations that she yeah. then later discovers. And I'm curious, is there anything autobiographical here? Um, I think I, I really do think that it comes down to her uh, fear of listening to her inner voice, like her, like her voice is that's talking to her from page one and she's very stuck into, but this is what I should do. And I right. think that's, that rings very true to me. I thought, you know, I need to, I need to have, uh, I need to go to school. I need to get the absolute best grades I can, because that's going to translate into the best job I can get. And that's going to translate into a stable salary with benefits. And like, I had a whole plan of the checklist of things right. to, to make sure that I was good and my family was good. And this is what you're supposed to do. And the reality of that was, um, it was, it was hugely, um, anxiety provoking for me, just like she's going through, you know, you, you do all this formal education and then you, you finish and a day after graduation, you're like, what's next? What? I don't know. And everyone's asking you, what do you, and I don't know something, something that's going to something big me be okay. Right. right. And and so I really relate to that huge. And I think so many people, especially as they're approaching 30, like I, I see so many people that are panicking about the same thing. And I keep saying, just don't worry, you have time. You look at me. Like I uh, made a complete change at 36. And that was the other thing was you reach a point where you just have to stop talking yourself out of what your gut already knows. Um, and, and that, and, and Tessa was doing that. And it's so funny because on the complete opposite of the spectrum to her is this other character, Eleanor, who is, you know, she's in her fifties. She's a mom. She is bang on with her gut. She does. And she's saying, I don't care. I don't care. You're not convincing me anything else than what my gut is telling me. That is what I'm acting on. Perhaps a little too rash, like and impulsively at times, but she's sort of ruled by her gut, but she's the opposite end of Tessa. And I think so much of my personal journey through, you know, walking away from, a stable corporate career that at the end of the day was making me a complete stressed out basket case, Um, you know, is taking that leap and just following what feels right. And then the crazy thing was the more I devoted myself to writing and devoted myself to this book, I was like on a whole other frequency that you don't have any questions anymore about whether it's right. You know, like Tessa's going through so much. What is right? Is it right? And my thing that I figured out now in hindsight is if you're asking all those questions, if you have to go around to everybody and say, should I do this? Should I? The answer is probably no. No. Or at least not not. yet. Because when you know, you then you can look back and say, oh, yes, now I know what yes feels like. Now I know what sure feels like. And and there Mm -hmm. is a line in there towards the end where she's now that she knows what certain feels like, you know, and, and so that very much resonates with me because that was, that was the journey I was going through while I was writing her. It was, it was, it was the two of us figuring out how, uh, how do we just 
trust what we know to be true inside because so much of our lives is is about overruling that is i mean it is not rational there is not a rational act to sit down and write a book it is not a rational act to quit your day job and put everything into it when it's getting nothing but rejections like there's nothing reasonable or logical going on here it is purely running off of your your gut instinct so right. it's so funny. I look now at her journey and it's all there. And I'm thinking, wow, gee, looking in a mirror. Like she's, you know, obviously very different manifestation, but really the same thing. I think that's true of, of most people when they write. I've been asked, you know, are any of these characters you? And it's like, yeah, pretty much all of them. All of them in some way. All of yeah. them. Not, not me exactly. But there are pieces of me or pieces of things I've felt. Sometimes they're even characters of the me that I wonder if I could have been if I'd made a different choice. Yes. You know? Or the The, me that you wish had been in that situation. You know, the me you wish it could have been at that time in those shoes. Right. Right. In in Sunflowers Beneath the Snow, the youngest character is, um, she's got a lot of guts. And, and, you know, she travels from Ukraine to the United States and just, you know, on her own and just, you know, goes for it and gets stuck in the United States because of a war and, and just makes it work. And I tell people all the time, she's not me, but boy, is she the me I wish I had been at that age. Yeah. You know, with that gutsy, it took me, I'm, I'm gutsier now, but I wasn't gutsy until I was in my fifties. You know, and this, and this girl's Mm. gutsy at 18. And it's kind of like, I wonder what, I love my life. I wouldn't change things, but I wonder what would have been different had I been gutsy young, you know, and, and that's kind of who she is. She's, she's Terry, Mm. if she'd been gutsy at 18. (laughs) But see, and that's so cool because I also think, see, I look at you and I think that too, I mean, I don't know you terribly well, but what I do know of you, you're, you're like tackling a lot and you're super gutsy. But like you said, I wonder though, if it takes us reaching a certain age in order to write characters like that. Maybe. Because we now have, like if I had, if someone had said to me at age 20, go ahead and take six years and write the blue iris, it would never have, I know I wouldn't have had anything to put into it at age 20 that, right. That I have well, now. So it's interesting. Well, well, Maybe what the can... characters have said. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think right. they, they wouldn't have had the, the layers that have come from, the years that have happened since. So it's kind of cool that we get to go back and take what we know now and who we are now and what we've learned and make these younger characters and say, now you're going to do this because that's what you should, because I can that's see now that that's what you doing. should have done. <laughs> and we sort of give them the benefit of, I think it's really of, cool. Of all of our experience. Yeah. 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 I, I tell people when they ask me that, it's kind of like, I don't know how an author writes characters that they haven't put some of themselves into. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure they do. I don't know how to do it. No, no, um, my characters all very much reflect things that I have felt or dealt with, maybe not at the same level. Yes. You know, oh, yes. like you need to stretch and pull and, yes. and, and, yeah. So, fill like, it out like, I, it like I have felt it maybe down here, and this character is really feeling it, but, but I, I understand and I tell myself, okay, if I felt this given the, the level that I was at, what would I have felt if I had ramped it up a bit? Yeah, you like, extrapolate. You just extrapolate. Yeah, like what but the nugget happened? is there. The nugget has right, to exactly. come from. And for me, it's the struggle. Like you said, like I, I can, I can, I can fill in their personality, their details, yes. their lifestyle, all that. You know, again, extrapolation. But that nugget of their why, like what are they struggling with? What is their 
I don't know how to, uh, and that, and that's something I'm afraid of. Cause I think, well, what, am, how am I going to come up with new people that, <laughs> that have new different types of things? Cause I don't, uh, what if I run out of my own experiences to reflect on a little bit, just on that really small nugget level, it's, I don't so, know, I guess I'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. But I don't think that you will, because if you realize, you know, if you go back in your life and you were really to list different struggles that you've had small mm. to large, the list would soon consume you, right? And so you could pick any one of those nuggets and say, what would have happened if, mm. you know, in this scenario, what would have happened if, what would, what would have been, what if I had changed and done that instead? Mm. And then you have a story, you know. Gems so, from the multi-published award-winning yeah. author right here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> This is wonderful to know. Thank you for yeah, I, I restoring think that, my faith. Well, you know, so I had the same thing. When I wrote my first, I, I now had a second that I wanted to put out and I was terrified. I kept saying, what if I'm a one hit wonder? Like, you know, Sunflowers did really well. I was, I was proud of that book. But what if my next one just falls completely flat and I have nothing really to say? I think that's such a common it, fear. Oh, it was, it was yeah. horrifying. And I put that second book out. I was actually more afraid putting the second book out than I was the first one. That. And and it was almost like when I got my first review back and it was good and, and it was positive, I sobbed. Yes. I mean, I was, I was a, a complete mess. They because do not tell you like, how much crying we will do. I know. <laughs> Oh, I cry a lot. And they're, so they're, they're happy. It's not, you yeah. know, depressed crying, but it's, I cry when I, the first time I see my book and I cry yes. when I get the box in the mail and there's that box of books that, you know, and I cry when you open it up and you see your name at the top so and, and, and your picture yes, at the at back and it just, and it just, you know, and now I got that, that first review and it was a, an editorial review and they said something about, we see they had they had read my first one and they said we see such growth in this second novel oh, oh my gosh I was just amazing. you know and it was like I can write yeah. <laughs> yeah. which is crazy because I've been writing and yeah, I should have known that but I think I, it's in our nature to doubt it though right Again, yeah. so much of it is dependent on us and it's coming from us and we're we're the only people who are inside our heads so we're doubting it all the time you know and and you wonder gosh am I really doing this you know mm. like is this really is this really where I should be I think this is where I should be I feel like it's where I should be I love doing it but I also want people to read it I'm not writing yeah. it I'm not writing it just so that I can stick it in a drawer in the side and 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 move on. I really want people to read it. And so, yeah, it was scary. I understand the So so talking about that, you say you're working on another one. Can you yes. can you let the cat out of the bag at all and tell us <laughs> what it is you're you're working on? It's so interesting because it's after 6 years just talk you you've reflected so much on on a lot of what I've been thinking about, because I feel like it has been, you know, there was probably three years of that was drafting and redrafting and rewriting, of course, all in fits and spurts. But if you added right. it up, it was probably half that and then half querying and synopsising. And, and then so I feel now like it's like, it's been so long. Am I going to remember how to do this? Like, it's been so long. Um, and so I do have, uh, it's funny, there was, I got, uh, I came down with COVID, like, 
two years ago. And there was sort of, I thought I, it was one of those, I thought I was over it and I think I was okay. But you know how a lot of people report like that fog? Yes. So I actually went in and I started writing um, book two and and then kind of moved on. And I guess, you know, wasn't as well as I thought I was. And then took a few more days anyways. And then I think the holidays happened, something. And I went back and I thought, okay, I'm going to start book two. I'm going to start book two. And I go in and I've written like 160 pages of book two. And I had no recollection of this at all. And I went, oh, that was when I was in like that super COVID haze of, and so I like, so, I mean, I have a bunch of pages, but then I, <laughs> I'm not sure that they're, so it, it's been a lot of outlining. It's been a lot of, um, trying to see what's salvageable of that. And then I think all the ideas were there and then, but, um, yes, we are picking up. So it's a continuation of the blue iris. We're picking okay. up, uh, probably I want to say about 10 years later, Again, I'm not going to write anything in stone, but um, some time has passed and we are seeing some characters that we are familiar with that are going to be very, very different than we remember them and some new characters. And the the sort of common thread between all of them is that all of them are questioning the paths that their lives have taken to date and whether they got everything wrong the first time around. Um, and we're moving to a, a out of the flower market setting into like a waterside town in uh, Ontario that has been overrun with uh, the one of those home dream home building shows yes. like those reality yeah. filming shows. So you yeah. kind of got the small town that's now having to deal with all of this all very big time stuff and it's right. overcrowded and um, there's no place to hide from everybody's everybody's very much on top of each other. And so um, drama, drama, drama will ensue, I think. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Fantastic. But hopefully keeping along the same sort of um, aesthetic and and vibe of the first book. I, I, and, I, and I see it as sort of the, the final. I don't see a three. I see this as, okay. this is a two-part All set. right. And is your intent to continue writing? So when you're Absolutely. done with number two, are you planning to keep keep going? Oh, as long as God allows it. it uh, yes, I never, awesome. if I can help it, I never want to do anything else. Um, yeah especially I feel like now having figured out a whole bunch of things I didn't, I didn't know. And the learning curve was so steep that well, I'm you're really, not kidding. <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping to just now have a little bit, a little bit of a, of an easier time, not letting any of that go to waste. And that, yeah, that would be the ultimate goal is to just keep, is to never have to do anything else. I've, I've never loved doing anything uh, like I love doing this. We talked about that feeling of you're just on a different, a different frequency that once you're there, you know, that that's, that's, that's where you're you. supposed to be. Yeah. Right. I agree. All right. So where can people get in touch with you if they want to know more about Rachel Stone or the Blue Iris or the new book that will be coming out? How do they yeah. get Yeah. So my website's a great place. Um, that's www.rachelstoneauthor.com. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Rachie Stone. Um, and there, I have a newsletter that comes out four times a year. You can sign up with that on my website. And I do a giveaway every single time. And uh, that's got all the updates and all the latest and greatest that's going on with me. Sounds great. Now, yeah. the last question. It's a biggie. Is there anything Ooh. you wish I had asked you that I didn't? Oh, <laughs> um, I don't think so. I think it's been wonderful. I'm so, so, so thrilled to be here. I'm in awe of you and just your 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 mad skills in so many areas of of authorship and marketing and hosting podcast, your, your whole style. I'm, I'm in awe of you and everything that you pull off. So I'll take any questions you got, but no, I think, uh, I think, I think overall, I'm just really grateful to have been here. 
Well, thank you. And I think I'm going to bring you to my house. And every morning, you're <laughs> going to say things like that to me and pump I'll me up. As I never <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much, Rachel. And Rachel is the author of The Blue Iris. And we are super excited that she came on to Online for Authors today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Online for Authors, where I, Terry M. Brown, author of character-driven fiction and host of the podcast, introduce readers to characters they'd love to invite to lunch. Tune in next Tuesday for another podcast episode.